You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and the skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Welcome to The Boutique with Collective 54, a podcast for founders and leaders of boutique professional services firms. For those that are not familiar with us, Collective 54 is the first mastermind community to help you grow, scale, and exit your firm bigger and faster. My name is Greg Alexander, and I'm the founder, and I'll be your host today. And on this episode, we're going to discuss market position. What do I mean by market position? Well, some boutique founders want to sell their firm someday, and positioning their firm in such a way that makes it attractive to a potential acquirer requires some thought. And there's lots of ways to do this, and some are traditional and some are unconventional. And there's a particular set of best practices, if you will, to to leverage when you're a smaller firm and and you have a, a unique set of possible acquirers. Um, and today we've got a guest who who did exactly this and successfully exited recently. And we're very fortunate to have him with us today and hear hear about his story. His name is Mark Weiss, and and Mark, would you uh, well first welcome and. Um, would you properly introduce yourself to the audience? Hi, everyone. Uh, Greg, thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. I'm Mark Weiss, I'm the CEO of uh, Management One and founder. Um, in the process of selling, uh, we're re- almost ready to close, so there's no flag, so I feel pretty comfortable about it. Um, so we're, we're good to go. I'm glad to share my experience. Thank you. So Mark, just for context, would you explain what Management One does? And Management One provides inventory planning for independent specialty retailers. So we typically service the mom and pop uh, marketplace and we forecast their sales and their inventory. And therefore we've created one of the most sophisticated cash flow tools ever used in in retail. So a retailer knows uh, how much business they're gonna do. Uh, We do a break even analysis to know what their financials look like. And they spend more money on inventory than anything else so we can manage the proper flow and investment in their inventory, they can have a very positive outcome on their cash flow. And Mark, you founded this firm when? 35 years ago. Yeah. So uh, it's obviously a, it's a great success story and to stay in the business for 35 years in the retail sector is uh, is, is really saying something. Um, and look, with one product. Yeah, really. I mean, that, that really is amazing. And retail, let's just say, has gone through quite a transformation over time, <laughs> probably more so than any other industry, right? Yeah, the last five years have been uh, remarkable. COVID accelerated everything like it did in many industries. But, you know, a lot of things are bouncing back to the way they were a little bit. But um, it's all about adaptability. And one of the things that, you know, we've really worked hard to do is adapt and change. And actually, we didn't have to change for almost 30 years. You know, what we did really worked was just a matter of upgrading our technology. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, um, <clears throat> right before COVID hit, we decided to change our platform and, um, and did it, you know, created, um, you know, really created a lot of disruption in our own company, um, but put us in a position to be where we are today and actually put us in a better position to sell. Yeah. So first question for you is, You've been doing this for a long time, obviously love doing it. Why did you decide to sell? Uh, 
couple of reasons. One is um, we'd gone to Cuba right before COVID and um, I got Legionnaire's disease mm. from one of the hotels oh there. And I got really sick and I was about uh, 12 hours away from being put on a ventilator. So I remember wow. making a promise to myself that if I was given another chapter in my life, I wanted to do something with it. So, um, you know, I hit, I, I'll hit 70 this year. And um, I also felt like some of the passion was starting to go away. I had asked my cousin, who was a successful doctor, I said, why are you, he retired at 65. I said, why'd you retire? He said, I didn't, you know, I stopped reading the journals and I felt like I couldn't be the best doctor for my patients and knew it was time to quit. And I feel like I kind of hit the same, um, still enthusiastic about the business, but what we do fundamentally, um, I've been doing for over 35 years and the people we've hired actually are doing a better job at it than I am. And I feel um, good about turning it over to them. And I feel like I would be in their way and I've contributed to the level I want to, and I want to do something else now. Great. Okay. Next question is sometimes boutiques, the typical exit path, which you didn't take and why I find your story so interesting is either sell it to a private equity firm. They, they sell it to a large strategic they sell it to their employees. Those are the those are the three most common ways. Right. You, you sold it to an individual, right? Which right. is really brilliant. Um, so tell everybody a little bit about this individual, how you met him, how this whole thing unfolded. Yeah, it's you know it's just the serendipitous story. Um, I uh, I had gotten uh, we we get we we get offers. We get three or four offers a week. Um, I turn them all over to our president. He looks at them, examines them, and you know, he said, Mark, when you're ready to sell, let me know and I'll start pulling the trigger. Um, but there was one in particular that came through. For some reason, the email struck me uh, in, a, in a way that it was written that I, I actually responded, which I never do. <laughs> and uh, we kind of got into a conversation. This was about 21 months ago. And we just kind of hit it off. And I said, well, what brought you to us? Why, are you, why do you want to buy my business? And he said, uh, well, one of my good friends who has an MBA owns a retail business in Seattle and, you know, COVID had hit and we were, I think it was like maybe June or July of 2020. And um, she said, uh, she said, I work with a company. I know you want to buy, I know you're looking to buy a business. Um, I work with a business that maybe they're interested in selling. And he said, well, what, what's good about, what, why do you believe in this business? And she said, they'd be the last people I fired before I had to turn off the lights. I'd be the last person. <laughs> and he said, nobody ever talks about their vendor that way. So he said, I was blown away. I respect her a lot. She's a bright person. Um, she uses data effectively. And uh, so I decided to reach out to you. And so from that conversation, uh, a relationship grew. I wasn't ready to sell then. It was COVID. I knew I had to lead the company out of it. You know, because we're in retail, we were we were hit hard, you know, in the early days. We were we had rebounded by December. We we had all our business back, but um, we stayed in touch. And then um, an interesting thing happened in December. So I we use EOS, and um, in December of this year, my um, my son who runs our planning department now he's in charge of product development. We are actually developing new products. Uh, he called me and he said, Dad, who do I report to? And I said, uh, we report to Mike, our, our president, who's also a member of Collective 54. Mm. He's on the, he's on the, growth, uh, the uh, scale side. And um, he said, I don't know who to report to. And I said, uh, will you report to Mike? He said, well, you're interfering too much. 
Mm. So uh, that night I went to bed and recognized that, you know, I really am not the kind of CEO I'd hope to be. I really can't stay, keep my hands out of the, the, the cookie jar. And um, I woke up the next morning, called uh, this individual and I said, are you still interested in buying the business? And he said, yes. And I said, here's my number. And he said, I can make that work. And there we are. Wow. It's really amazing. I mean, what I love about that story is this started by a happy customer. Yeah, so you, started by a happy customer. Yeah, I mean, that phrase that they're the last vendor I'd turn off before I turned off the lights. I mean, that's quite a phrase. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking- we have a lot, we're, we're fortunate, we have a lot of raving fans. A lot of our business comes from independent retailers who are in market or carrying our, yeah. our budgets around with them and other people ask questions. And we get a lot of business um, just by uh, the referral system within our our, um, our, our clients. They've yeah. been very loyal and very... I've still got clients that I sold when I started the business 35 years ago who've gone through their own sales. Yeah. So, so we're talking to Mark Weiss right now about how to position your company for an exit, how to make your company attractive to a potential acquirer by having a great market position. And we're reminded of the obvious, which is build a great company first. Have Have fans instead of clients. And uh, it makes it a lot easier uh, to sell your firm when you're ready to sell your firm as, as Mark is via his health care and his willingness or desire to retire. Um, okay, so let's come back to this individual. Sometimes, like for example, if I got approached by an individual, I would be skeptical because the number I would have in my head is typically would exceed what an individual can afford. So how did you qualify the individual that they had the funding to pull a deal off? Yeah, that's a great question um, because it's a, it's a, a, I guess the word's genre, but it's a whole niche that I never knew existed. It's called self-funding. Hmm. And um, this individual's got a group of people who invest with him and literally pay his salary uh, to help find a business in all his expenses for two, two, for, they give him a two-year window to do it. Hmm. And he was very close to buying another business but the seller jumped the price at the end of the deal by 30%. And he said, no, we're not going to do mm. that. That was after they invested a lot of money in due diligence. So there's um, the, these self-funded, uh, There's and there's a lot of them out there. I just happened to fall into one. I was kind of curious about it. And I was I did some research about it. And um, it's 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 more robust, it's a more robust industry than I knew mm. about. And I talked to one of. Uh, the, the person buying the business, I talked to one of his key investors and I said, um, cause it was hard for me, Greg, even today, I mean, I, I've gotten to know this person over the last two and a half years. Um, well, I'm just gonna, his name's Nate. So mm -hmm. I'm just gonna call him by his name. I've known Nate for two, you know, for over 20 months and uh, it has really been a, a great journey. So, you know, I, I felt like there's good chemistry. He really got to understand who we are. And it wasn't just a transaction for me. It was also needed to be a, um, it needed to be, uh, the culture needed to be uh, uh -huh. sustained. I mean, you just put 35 years into a company, you feel like you've built a great culture. Uh, we don't have problem attracting people. There's a lot of good, we're a virtual company. So a lot of good things about the company that I wanted to stay in place. And I was afraid if I sold it to um, a private equity firm, um, you know, it wouldn't be there. You know, you and I had talked mm -hmm. about an ESOP or something like that, but I wasn't going to get the kind of money out of it that I wanted. So um, these self-funded uh, opportunities are there and they're real. And when I talked to one of his investors, I found out that 
they've been in this for 20 years and they've done 52 of these transactions or these businesses wow. and they've kept all of them. So that was important to me that they've kept all the businesses, they've helped them, they haven't gone in to change them, they look for businesses that help other businesses succeed uh, and other people succeed. And they they seem to, at least on the surface, share our core values. Yeah. And, and what did they find attractive about your firm? <clears throat> what they found attractive, uh, it was the opportunity of what we were doing. Um, we didn't have a lot of, you know, the competition in our space is really people who use Excel spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. And we're a much more sophisticated um we have much more sophisticated information. Um, you know, we've got, uh, they call it Greenfield. We've got uh, 860 clients. Um, we'll hit 1,000 this year because we're at a growth rate of about 35%, 33% last year, 35% this year. So I think they saw the real opportunity and that we are in a market that's underserved. I mean, there are literally, um, hundred. you know, there's, I think, close to 100,000 businesses that fit into our model and we're also in multiple verticals so you know we do everything from college bookstores to a mom and pop dress shop or men's store on the street so we're we're we've got we're in over 22 verticals so we're we're pretty diverse which allows us to sustain ourselves in 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 um you know any almost any economic area yeah and you know i was reading chapter 29 and (laughs) One of our, our best year of retention was actually in 2008. Uh, you know, when people would, you know, when economic, when there's economic turbulence or recessions, they're a friend to us. So I think the other part of it is we're pretty much a recession proof business. Interesting. And without violating any confidentiality agreements, I'm sure you're governed by, um, in terms of the structure of the deal, um, were you able to? get enough cash at closing that made you happy? Was there an earn out? Like what were some of the terms, right. I guess? So yeah, it was, it's kind of an odd thing. I have to be careful about yeah. what I talk about, but I had a happy number that I had to walk away with the mm. net number. Mm. And so we're, we're, you know, so I got the net number. And I also, um, I also got a, a um, I have also have equity in yep. the business on top of it. Okay. So I'll, I'll own about 7% of the business. Yeah. Uh, after the deal's closed. So I get another bite of the apple. So these self-funding groups, um, which this is a breakthrough for many of our listeners because they, they have firms similar size to yours, and they might be, in some cases, too small to attract the right type of investor that they may want to sell to because for them, like you, it's more than just a transaction. So these self-funding groups are funded well enough um, to get you your happy number. Yes, they're well-funded. Um uh, Nate's going to have, I think, seven investors, and he'll be the majority shareholder. Um, but um, and you know, the, one of his key investors that I talked to said he'd write a check tomorrow for the whole business. Wow. Um, but uh, so they like the business, they like the model. We also have a great management team. They they want to buy businesses where they don't have to yeah. do anything except invest in the resources that'll help the business grow. Yeah. You know, when you're a small business, everybody works a lot of hours and they're overworked, and it's true in our business too. My team does an amazing job, and we just went, uh, launched a new platform which really stretched our resources. Um, so I think that you know they'll be able to bring resources to bear that'll help the whole company. So I think they look for businesses where there's an opportunity to add resources in the right place. Yeah. There'll be a board of directors. Um, so I think that you know we fit that kind of we fit that 
that model. But part of what they like about us is that uh, Nate can come in and replace me as the CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, he's already bought into our 10-year plan. As a matter of fact, he came back to me and he said, you know, EOS goes out 10 years, but I'm thinking about where management one can be 15 or 20 years from mm-hmm. now. So that was music to my heart. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that... Um, I think that so there, therefore, I think there's a real opportunity for these self-funded businesses. And by the way, I'm getting um, just in the time that we, we start, I signed the letter of intent in February. Um, I've, I've gotten two or three requests from different self-funded um, uh, groups almost weekly since then. So they're out there. That's interesting. Well, Mark, we're at our time uh, allocation here, but um, you're such a great member. You have such a, a generous spirit. And you're always willing to contribute. So, on behalf of on behalf of the membership, I appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing your wisdom with us. Okay, and if anybody has any questions or thoughts or you know anything, just feel free to contact me. I'm happy to share my journey. And um, one thing I want to say, Greg, is I really thought hard about make sure the pipeline's full when you sell it. Our pipeline is full, so when Nate takes <laughs> over, I'm going to feel very good because he's got a whole rush of business that I wish I was here to participate. In. So. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. All right. Well, listen, for those that are interested in this topic and others like it, you can pick up a copy of the book, of course. It's called The Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Professional Services Firm. And for those that are not members yet but might want to be and meet inspirational leaders like Mark, consider joining our mastermind community, which you can find at collective54.com. Thanks again, Mark. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good day. All right.